Welcome, you fruity little honey muffins, to Cop On, episode 11. My name's Owen, and even though this international break has been dragging like Bill Clinton on a jazz cigarette, the wait is almost over, the Premier League has almost returned. Locked and cocked into Liverpool's crosshairs are Huddersfield Town, and in this episode we shall focus exclusively on this match. Let's start with a few facts. Did you know that the last time Liverpool lost to Huddersfield, we actually lost 5-0 in 1959? And who was the manager? Who? You know, Bill Shankly was the manager of Huddersfield back then couple of other quick facts for you. Huddersfield are targeting their first goal at home in the Premier League this season. Uh, If they don't score on Saturday, they will be the first team since Everton to not score in five home matches at the start of a season. Uh, That was back in 1998-99 for for the Ev. Uh, Here's a weird one for you. Under Jurgen Klopp, Apparently, Liverpool have lost five and won only two of nine Premier League matches when we're away to teams that start the day in the relegation zone. Uh, We haven't won when we're playing away to a team in the relegation zone since a 6-0 win at Aston Villa in February 2016. Wow, that's got to change. Surely. So to preview the match, I was woozy with joy to be joined by Freddie Cocker of Talk of the Town, which is a Huddersfield podcast. Uh, Do check it out if you like. And he also has a very interesting uh, new project that he runs about mental health. More about that later. Uh, So, yes, well, I suppose here we go. Let's let's leap into it like a flea into a rubbish dump cat. So, my very first question before I ask you about anything about yourself, my very, very first question is international football, okay? Would you rather A, poo on its head, B, vomit in its face, C, kick it very hard in the ghoulies, or D, you actually quite like international football and it's fun? Um, I think before Nations League... I think mm-hmm. I was probably any of the first three. Okay. So I think after the Nations League introduction, I'm willing to give it a chance and say D because I think it gives more of an excitement to um, you know, international football. I don't really have any have much time for any of the global sort of football confederations because normally they come up with stupid ideas like replacing the penalty format with ABBA or whatever it was. <laughs> but I, I'm, on this... On this, I'm willing to give them a chance because I think it's it is it is genuinely a bit innovative for once. So I I think yeah I'll I'll, I'll say that answer. I'll say pre before Nations League A B or C whatever you want, and then after Nations League I'll say D at least at least give it a chance, and then if it's absolute garbage still, then I'll go back to the rest of them. Excellent answer. So you're a progressive man. I like it. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about you, Freddie. Yeah, so so um, my connection with Huddersfield is that I my dad is as you can tell from my accent I'm not a born and bred Huddersfield person. Um, I live in East London, have done all my life, was born here, lived here, raised here, still live here. Um, but my dad is from Huddersfield. He's from Murfield, 
So he moved down to London, had started a family, um, brought up all of his children. Um, my older brother wasn't really into football that much when he took him to games, took me, even though we were pretty rubbish in the second division, the old, the old second division, and then we dropped down to third division, and then we had a season of being in the playoffs, and then we got relegated again. And that was all in my first sort of three to four years of being a town fan. I still stayed, you know, supported them through thick and thin. So this period really, you know, what I'm living in now is going to be the best years, football years of my life, really. I'm, I'm living the dream. It must be fantastic to be to be there finally in the in the promised land of the Premier League with such a good uh, manager and a good system, good setup. Uh, must be really excited. For yeah, I, the first season was amazing. And it was a dream because everyone predicted us to go down and we were sort of backs against the walls, you know. Um, this season has been a struggle. Um, it's, it's a bit harder to get yourselves up to these, these sort of games knowing 95% sh- you know, sure you are going to get smacked. That is a, quite depressing. Yeah, that, that sort of brings me to my, to my next question, really. I mean, like, looking at the table for our listeners who may not know, Huddersfield are in 18th position with three draws and five losses from your eight games. And uh, apparently you were very unlucky not to get more from certain games, especially against Palace. Um, w- would that be fair that you were, you've been a little bit unlucky so far? Yeah, I think we have been unlucky. I think in the Palace game, we... We couldn't really, I don't think we could blame anyone but ourselves, to be honest, because we missed two very, very good chances to score. And in the Premier League, it is completely unforgiving. If you miss your chances, the, the, the odds are that the, the, the opposition team will go down the other end and score and you will lose the game or at least, at the very least, not win the game. So I think in that sense, we can't really blame ourselves. We can't really blame anyone but ourselves. I think in other games, I think certainly in the Spurs game, we were unlucky with refereeing decisions. Uh, I think Danny Rose dived for the penalty that they got, um, and for the fir- that was for the second goal. And for the first goal, uh, our midfielder Alex Pritchard is fouled just outside the penalty area, and then they go down the other end and score. So you know, in these games against top six clubs, you need a few things. You need one, the team that you're playing against to, to underperform on the day. You need your team to over overperform. You need to take your chances. And you don't, you can't have a rubbish ref, which is unfortunately what we had in Craig Pawson. So yeah, I think we have been unlucky, and I think other games we just genuinely haven't been good enough. So I think it's a mixture of the two. Mm, there are a lot of rubbish refs at the moment in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah Pawson's horrible. The Kevin Friend is uh, everybody's enemy. You have, uh, you, uh, you know, tons of uh, really bad Anthony Taylor. Don't get me started on him. Um, <laughs> so. Um, Talking about your uh, taking your chances, which is so important for Huddersfield, you've unfortunately only scored four times so far this year. What's what's been going wrong with your attack? So I think the problem last season was was that our wide men weren't delivering. We had one winger in Colin Kwaner, who's now been sort of ostracised from the squad, who contributed four assists, and he contributed more assists than the rest of our wingers combined. So uh, Wagner in the summer and all of the fans said what we need is wingers who can A, score, maybe contribute top 10 goals between both of them, ideally, or 10 assists or something like that. And we bought four wingers, uh, Adamo Diakabi from, from Monaco, um, 
Isaac and Benza on loan from Montpellier, uh, Ramadan Sobi from Stoke, and uh, oh, we might, I think we must no, I think three wingers, no, three wingers, sorry, three wingers, and mm-hmm. two of them haven't really played that much, and one of them's been injured, so we've had to sort of make do. Oh, and we sold Tom Ince back uh, to Stoke. We lost the winger. So we've been playing our existing wingers that we had from the championship season, and they haven't really been getting us assists either. So that's a massive problem for our strikers, uh, Steve Mounier and Lauren de Poitre, who thrive on quality service from crosses and into feet. Um, last season, they basically fed on scraps every single game, and the goals they scored um, were pretty miraculous, to be honest, considering that most of the time they, we barely delivered one decent cross all game. Um, so that's really been the main problem. Uh, for some, Wagner's been using a new system in recent games and had a 4-3-3, so he hasn't played our arch creator, uh, Alex Pritchard, which a lot of the fans have been quite upset about. There's been a lot of debate around whether he should play and whether he shouldn't play. Uh, he played against um, Burnley last week um, and was probably one of our brightest sparks, but again, um, ha- hasn't been given the time yet to really make his mark. Um, so I think the problem really has been uh, from the wide areas. We just haven't been delivering good crosses. We haven't been delivering um, quality service. And at the end of the day, if your strikers don't get quality service, they can't score. And if they're only getting maybe one good cross when they're dying to get in the box every single um, attack, it's harder for them to really be as clinical as they should be. So I think that's been the main problem for us going forward. Defensively, we're still very, very good. Uh, I've got no real issues about us defensively. But if you don't score, you don't win games. And that's been our main problem, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, looking at your defence then, I mean, yeah, it's slightly skewed, isn't it? Because when you look at the table, it says you've you've conceded seven go- uh, sorry, 17 goals in eight games, but six of those goals were, were in your second game against City when, when Wagner was experimenting with a back four and it didn't work. Um, but, you know, obviously since that City game, you're, you're quite happy with your defending, like there's been a, an improvement. I think the, the problem that the, the, the goal difference issue that people pointed out when we got promoted from the championship was that we got promoted with a negative goal difference. Now, the reason for that was we won most of our games in the championship, 1-0 or 2-1. And the games that we lost, uh, the, the sort of relatively few games that we lost, we would actually lose by quite a you know, big margin. We would lose 3-0 or we'd lose 3-1. We got smacked 5-1 five, uh, five, by Fulham and then 4-0 by Fulham. So the goal difference was always going to be not that great even when you're winning games. So that basically translated into the Premier League, whereby a lot of the time we won our games 1-0 or 2-1. I think our biggest margin was was 4-0 against Bournemouth. But when we played the big teams, we got absolutely smacked by and large. So that skewed our goal difference massively. You know, we lost, like you say, we we, we lost to Man City um, 6-1, playing a lot of players that hadn't played Premier League football because we had a lot of injuries. Um, last season we lost 5-0 to Arsenal um, we lost 4-1 uh, to West Ham you know, we lost 3-0 to you and then we lost I think 3-0 to you in the, in the return fixture as well so these fixtures sort of skew your goal difference massively whereas in the majority of the games you're only, we were only really losing one by one goal or two goals max so our defence actually was quite good um, I think our, our three centre-backs in Christopher Schindler Terence Congolo and uh, Matthias Jorensen, otherwise known as Zanka, to us. Um, I think 
are three of you know the best centre backs outside the top six in my opinion. I think especially Congolo and Schindler. I think Congolo is a top six player waiting to be to be found basically. Yeah, and we paid our rec- our record transfer fee seventeen point five million for him, and I can't believe that we got him. To be honest, I was sure that a top six club would come would come sniffing. Um, so I'm really not worried about our defence. Um, the problem has always been delivery from our fullbacks and delivery from our wingers to be able to score goals to win the games. Yes, okay. I mean, and yeah, I've been reading little bits about your your defence, Congolo. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I have to be honest. But the Christopher Schindler's been getting some rave reviews from your from your fans. I've seen, I've seen that. But Congolo, where is he from? Where did you get him from? So Congolo is a player. I think he's a he's the same age as me, or maybe a year older than me. I'm 24. So we got him from the reserves in Monaco uh, on loan originally last season in uh, January, I believe. Um, and he was just immense. He's a, he's a centre-back who can play left-back. He's a tall, rangy, athletic player, never lets anything get past him, um, wins a lot of headers, very good leader on the pitch as well for his age, and we didn't really think we would um, sort of get him permanently, but he obviously saw that he wasn't going to get game time at, at Monaco under Leonardo Hardin, who has now been sacked, um, and he decided to take the plunge for us. And our, our chairman basically sold him and many other players who signed for us this, this idea that you come to us, we give you a platform to play consistently if you're a good player. And then once you sort of outgrow us, we'll be happy for you to go on to a bigger club. Um, I really do think he's one of the, the best centre-backs in the league, personally, especially outside the top six. I think he would improve. Uh, now that you've sorted out your defence, I don't think he'd improve your defence massively. But I certainly think he would improve Arsenal's defence. I certainly think he would improve um, Chelsea and Man City's defence. And with Christian, he's really been our talisman since the Championship. I am a bit shocked that uh, he hasn't been given more mention, but I'm happy that he hasn't because that means that we can keep him and he flies under the radar. But I think (laughs) given how awful Germany have been, I don't see... Uh, an irrational explanation as to why Christian Le couldn't get in the Germany squad ahead of someone like Rudiger. But no, interesting. Yeah, okay. So yeah, well, I mean, I have to look out for those two. There is this thing. I mean, Congolo is he is he a, a French uh, guy then? Nationality? He's a Dutch nationality? player. Dutch player. Okay, right. Okay. So we'll have to. Yeah, you know, maybe he'll get in the Dutch team and partner. Big Virgil one day, you know. Um, so, yeah, as we've uh, already mentioned, uh, David Wagner has has uh, experimented, uh, generally played a back three, uh, but he's experimented, experimented a bit with a back four, but you reckon he'll he'll stick with a back three against Liverpool? Congolo's actually got injured uh, against... Uh, who did he get injured against? I can't remember who he got injured against. I was at the game. Oh, it was against Spurs. Sorry. It was against Spurs, and he had oh, done his hamstring. So I think he will be. He was out from for about four to five weeks from that point, which is quite worrying for our defence. Um, so I think he'll play a back four because he only has two, um, you know, Premier League class centre backs fit in Schindler and Zanka. Uh, Stankovic has not really played that much, so I don't think he'll risk him in a, in a back three. Uh, I think we'll probably play four three. I imagine we'll play four three three or a version of that. Um, he's largely played a back three last season uh, away from home. I would I would hope that he would be a bit more adventurous this season. I think that's what we've been crying out for. I think a lot of games he's been quite defensive and been quite fearful of being taken apart by teams. Um, but I think his fans okay. 
we want us to see, you know, front foot football and the, the Gagan Preston style that we saw in the Championship a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think I think it would probably be safe to say that he will be playing four three three or a version of that. Okay, so so it would be a Lusselin goal and then a Derm right back. The two centre backs you mentioned, Schindler and uh, Jorgensen. What was your name for him? Sorry, uh, Zanka, because he looks like Zanka from Cool Runnings. So for some reason, okay. he, he was allowed okay. to have that on the back of his shirt. Okay. And uh, you've, got, you've got someone called Low at left-back. I'm sorry, I'm not very knowledgeable. Yeah, he's, um, we've had him since uh, the championship days. Uh, he signed from FC Kaiserslautern, so he'll probably play left-back. OK. And then in midfield, who, who would you play, do you think? Um, so if it's a midfield three, it would be uh, Aaron Moy um, and Phil Billing and uh, Jonathan Hogg. I think if it was a midfield two, I think Phil Billing has been exceptional this season. He's probably been our best player. He's really grown into a man, essentially, and he's dictating a lot of our games um, and really reaching the consistency level that, that we as fans wanted from him. So I think it would be Billing and Moy if it was a midfield two, uh, central midfield two. And if it was a three, it would be Johnny Hogg uh, with them as our sort of literal embodiment of a terrier who runs around, presses, tackles, um, and gives the ball to other players to be creative. Tell us a bit more about Phil Billing then, because I'm sure lots of our listeners won't know about him. Yeah, so so Phil Billing, we um, we bought from a lesser-known um, Danish club. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, we bought him very young. We bought him about 14, 13, 14. Um, and sort of, he made his debut... Uh, no, he scored his first goal, sorry, I should say, in the Championship. He scored an absolute screamer from 30 yards against Nottingham Forest. And that sort of announced him um, in, in the club and, and, and to the fans. Um, and since, since last season, or the beginning of this season, um, he sort of struggled to find the consistency that we wanted from him. And obviously he, makes, he made mistakes, and like every young player does. But he's got everything in his locker to be a potentially a world-class midfield player. Um, He's tall, massively, he's about six foot four, um, rangy, beautiful range of passing, does get stuck in now, which we wanted to see more of, and he really is, he's kind of improved his tenacity levels a lot, um, can hit a shot from any distance, doesn't do it enough for me at the moment, but I want him to, because he's very capable of scoring goals, um, ironically he scored with a header against Everton, and he's traditionally not been very good with his head for some reason, even though he's six foot four. Um, so that was a surprise for all of us as fans. But I think um, if he continues to improve the performances that he's done this season, I don't think he'll be at our club for that much longer. Wow. OK. Well, great. You know, another very exciting player for you then. Great. Excellent. Um, OK. So if, if let's say, for example, you have uh, Billing Hogg and Aaron Moy, who's a player that I, I enjoyed watching a lot last season when I watched Huddersfield, um, then who would be your, your front three? So our front three, I, I imagine, would be at the moment uh, Rajiv van der Parra on the right wing, um, and then on the left wing it could be anyone of Ramadan Sobi, Elias Kuchunga, um, Isaac and Benza. Um, but I imagine he will, well, if it's if it's a four-three-three, I imagine he will play Diakabi and van der Parra. I think Diakabi has been given the sort of the starting shirt in a couple games. I think he's been given. The, the, the nod from Wagner that he was his first choice signing as a winger. Um, Ramadan Tobi's just come back from injury, so he'll probably be on the bench along with Mbenza, who's made a couple of cameos off the bench as well. And I think it, as the Poitra has got 
had the shirt last week, I think Lauren de Pratt will probably be the starting centre forward. He's quite a tricky player, isn't he, de Pratt? I mean, he doesn't always score, but he he causes a lot of problems, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a very big man. He puts his he puts his weight about. He's got a deceptive uh, uh, amount of pace. He's not obviously lightning quick because he's a very very large man, but he's quicker than people think. He rolled. Harry Maguire last season and scored a really excellent goal against Leicester. I think that's what when people sort of woke up to the fact that oh maybe he's not just you know a big lad with a great touch. Um, yeah, so I, I think he, he does make he does cause nuisance for a lot of people, but a lot of the time, again because he uh, he he survives on scraps. It's very much him chasing a lot of lost causes and trying to hold the ball up for, to bring other people into play. So if we're to get anything from the game. We need to make sure that we're supporting Deportero when he's um, up front on his own and not allow him to get isolated, which is what unfortunately happens in a lot of games. OK, well, if he if he sets up like that, David David Wagner, um, imagine now just as a thought experiment um, that you're actually the you're you get to pick the Liverpool team or you get to tell them the tactics or, you know, what what weaknesses would you tell Liverpool to try and exploit? In your team, weaknesses wise, I think uh, depending on what fullbacks we play, some of them can be caught out, uh, especially on the ca- on the counter attack. We've been quite vulnerable to counter attacks this season. Um, the worst of them, example being against Leicester, even though Leicester are the most counter attacking team in the Prem, we pushed far too high up at a corner, got caught completely cold. So I think a counter we are we are vulnerable at counter attacks. I think that's certainly something that. Liverpool exploited last season um, when they played when they played us at home, at our place. Sorry, um, I think we we don't support our four players enough. We don't get enough men in the box, so a lot of the time we end up getting sort of strangled in within our own half, and we can be pressed quite uh, high up. Um, I think another weakness is we we tend to have this tendency where sometimes we just pass along the back four for the sake of passing along the back four. It's not like you know Man City where you know they have an objective to how they're passing and, and, and they can do little triangles inside their own penalty area. We can't really do that. So sometimes we do get caught um, in possession when our centre-backs try and play a pass through midfield and it can get intercepted. So I think that's been, certainly been an area we've been vulnerable in. Um, yeah, I think those would be the main weaknesses. I think depending on, again, what players we have um, available... Uh, some are much more susceptible to being um, exposed defensively. Uh, we have a fullback called Florent Hadjani, who was sort of fairly fairly good for us last season. But when he's come on in games or played in games this season, he's been sort of turned inside out by players, and his positioning hasn't been hasn't been brilliant. So if he was to play, if you got at him, I think he would be a, a, a very vulnerable to, to to extreme pace, especially with the likes of Mane um, and Salah. Um, if he plays. So I think those would probably be our, our main weaknesses right now. Mm. Um, I think Salah, yeah, he, I, he might be touch and go for this game. Uh, Van Dyke might be, you know, he's come back early as well from international duty because he's got a bit of a rib problem, um, like a recurring thing he's had for a few games. Uh, and uh, yeah, we've got a couple of injuries. James Milner uh, is out with another hamstring. Um I mean, are you optimistic against Liverpool? Do you think, you know, if you sit back, if you soak up the pressure, if we're missing a couple of key players? It... Uh, the, the honest answer is no. 
Uh, okay. The only reason I would be slightly optimistic is because of the reasons you just said with the amount of players you might have injured. But last season you played Emre Chan and Milner and Henderson um, and you still were very comfortable on the ball. There's still a class above the midfielders that we have, so I'm not, I'm not going to take anything from that. The unfortunate thing that we had last season was when, when I watched the, um, the home game and we basically marshalled uh, Mane and Salah pretty well, excluding the penalty that he scored. But Firmino scored twice, I think. No, Firmino didn't score twice. Firmino scored like the second goal. And, you know, for, for us, you know, if you stop two of them, the other one scores. So it's a bit of a tricky balancing act when it comes to, 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 to Liverpool's front three. Um, yeah, the honest answer is I'm not optimistic, but we had the same sort, sort of similar run of games last season before we beat Man United. So that's the only sort of glimmer of hope that I've got in that it, it might be typical us for us to play not that great um, or be very unlucky and not get the points we deserve, but pull out, you know, win out the bag against Liverpool. But that's the only sort of crumb of crumb of hope that I'm sort of hanging on to. Well, you could also say it's typical Liverpool. I mean, it's been our problem since we last won the league in 1990. It's been our problem that you know we we lose to teams in 18th position for no you know as a, as a shock. We I mean, it's no longer a shock for us Liverpool fans. It's like oh well, okay, we've done that again. Uh, so it could it could happen, um, but. What do you, from the outside, if you're, if you know, looking, what, what's your opinion about Liverpool this season? Because, I mean, we think we are, you know, really good as Liverpool fans, but we're entirely subjective. But there's a, there is a massive feeling amongst Liverpool fans. We're 100% behind Klopp. We're behind the team. We've got some great, made some great signings. And we know it will be very difficult to, at the top, to win the league. But we think we've got a chance. Um, is that fair? What do you think of Liverpool? Are we, yeah, are we... I, I mean, I predicted Liverpool to win the league before the season started this year. Um, I think you've improved in almost all the areas that you needed to improve on from last season. I think your defence needed to be addressing from, you know, years. Uh, I think Van Dijk was a massive signing, world-class centre-back. I think Andy Robertson has now started to turn into a world-class fullback. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold is certainly on his way to, to being that as well. I think Joe Gomez is a massively uh, good prospect to centre-back to learn his trade alongside Van Dijk. You've fixed your goalkeeper problem that you have with Carrius and Mignolet and all these other goalkeepers that you had sort of trialled. You, you spent the money on Alisson. You said, "I want to. We want a, a you know a, a goalkeeper who can play out from the back, fit the system, and you can make the saves when we need to, and not make stupid mistakes." You've added strength and depth in midfield. You, I don't think Fabinho's played uh, uh, that much at all, if I'm correct. Um, yes, you are correct. Yeah. Yeah. So he hasn't played, and you signed him for thirty. Forty million pounds. You've, you've, 50, you've got depth out yeah, wide with Shaqiri, yeah. who's you know a proven Premier League performer, source of goals, source of assists, um, and you've somehow brought Daniel Sturridge back to life, which I didn't <laughs> think was possible. Um, he's now scoring goals. He's got confidence. He's certainly a reliable backup, if not um, the first choice, if you want to play him ahead of Firmino. Um, you've got rid of a couple of the Deadwood players so-called, in inverted commas, I don't want, don't want to be disrespectful, but, you know, players like Danny Ings and Carrius, you've replaced, yeah. you've replaced them with quality, strength and depth. So I, I'm 
under no illusion that I, I think that Liverpool win the league. So I do think it'll be very tough. I think City and Chelsea will run you all the way. But the most interesting thing I found that was different to your performances from last season is that a lot of times you were losing you know, games against um, sort of teams outside the top six, whether it be Bournemouth or whether it be Watford or someone like that. But the games so far, you've been sort of winning these games 1-0. You've been holding on to that win. You haven't been conceding late. So I think that can only be a good omen, really. Um, and I certainly think you're going to win the league this year. Well, that's lovely to hear. I mean, excellent stuff. I think I think you've made some friends in, in our listeners. Uh, but uh, no, great, excellent. Um, back to Huddersfield then. Um, I would look at your next five matches because I think also the table is a little bit screwed because you've played uh, eight matches, obviously, um, but you've played a lot. Most of the teams are in the top half. Uh, and in your next five, you've, you've got you've got Fulham and Brighton at home. Um, is it, do you think is there an upturn in on the cards for Huddersfield? No, I would hope so. I'd like to think so. Uh, you know, when you're in this sort of rut, you're looking ahead of it every game. You think every game's tough and every game's going to be difficult, which is in the Premier League. Um, but the, the games against Fulham and Brighton are absolutely massive, as are the home games against Newcastle and Southampton in December. I think those games will go a long way to decide what we're going to do this year, um, especially after Christmas. Um, I've got faith and I've got hope that that Wagner can turn it around and, and start getting us wins, but we need to get that first win soon. The longer it goes on, the longer the media will start saying Huddersfield have yet to win a game, even though so, even though like Newcastle haven't won a game and Cardiff haven't won a game and Southampton have only won one game and Fulham have only won one game. There'll be this pressure on us because we're the team that just about stayed up, because we're the little team. There'll be this sort of scrutiny on us that we haven't won a game. So if we get that first one out of the way, I think that'll be a massive, you know, confidence boost to the players and to the staff that we can do it again. Because I think for us to stay up this year, and I think it was, you know, a massive miracle last season. It was the greatest, one of the greatest achievements this club has ever had to stay up last season. It will be an even bigger miracle if we stay up this season. Well, I hope you do because I've got a a lot of respect for David. Wagner and I love the I love the story the Huddersfield story it's a it's a it's a brilliant one um just uh one last thing then Freddie thank you so much again for 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 joining for joining it's been a, bit, a real pleasure but uh, one last thing is your prediction what do you think is going to happen uh against uh, Liverpool I think it will I'm going to go for a very pessimistic prediction I think it will be similar to the last uh, time that we played each other at uh, the John Smith Stadium, I think we'll hold out for a while. Uh, I think we, it could end up being nil-nil at half-time, but I think you'll score a goal maybe in the 60th, 65th, and then you'll get another one later on and it'll be 2-0 Liverpool. Wow. OK, it's very specific. Um, I hope you're right. Uh, but then I hope that Huddersfield go on a long winning run and you're safe by Christmas. But uh, so thank you very much, Freddie. It's been brilliant. Is there anything that you would like to to plug? Uh, yeah. So so I'm obviously a co-founder and editor of Talk of the Town. So if you want to, if anyone wants to follow Talk of the Town uh, on Twitter, we're at t o t t underscore h t a f c. My personal Twitter is um, at Freddie C nineteen ninety four. So if you want to hear me talk about football and sport and mental health uh, as well because I run a little mental health platform um, you're more than everyone's more than welcome to oh tell us about your mental health platform 
so it, it's a platform called Vent. Um, it, we're at Vent Help UK. Uh, it's a place where everyone, but um, particularly men and boys, can open up about their mental health issues, uh, break down stigmas, and start conversations. That's fantastic. Yeah. How? Do, I mean, how long has that been going on? Uh, so, so Talk of the Town's been going since April last year, and Vent's been going since um, September. So uh, that I do Vent on my own, and I do um, Talk of the Town with with my friend Elliot. Um, so yeah, so Vent's been going really well. Got, a, got over um, 500 followers in the moment, and we just trying, I'm just trying to build it more and more, and trying to help more and more people with their mental health issues. Well, that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that that's been. Um... Uh, for Liverpool fans, I mean, there, there was a documentary. I don't know if you if you're aware of it on uh, Liverpool's official site about mental health uh, for mental I health awareness. Well, I can Yes, you should. Everybody should. I mean, it's a, it's a very difficult watch at times. It's called Through the Storm. Um, I think you can find it on YouTube. Uh, but it tells uh, the story of uh, yeah, mental difficulties within you know, people in the game and, and uh, you know, the silly taboos that surround mental health that really should not exist. And it should be totally, everybody should be uh, free to talk about uh, their, you know, if they're having any any difficulties, they should be free to talk about it. So, yeah, check it out. And I do urge our listeners to check to check out the, the, the vent um uh, space as well. That's uh, that's on Twitter again. You said. Sorry. Yes. So we're on Twitter at Vent Help UK. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and YouTube. Sort of at Vent Help UK as well. Uh, the website is uh, www.vent.org.uk. So there you go. Yes, do check out Vent and Talk of the Town podcast, of course. Uh, that's pretty much all we have time for for this episode. Massive wind turbines of thanks to Freddie for educating us on Huddersfield and being a jolly lovely guest. But at as ever, it is you, the listener, you, yes, you, you tangy little jelly bean, whom I must thank even more. As ever, if you'd care to send us some hate mail, some love letters, some drugs, some alcohol, some bitcoin or some nudie pics, our email is coponpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at coponpodcast and support us for just $1 a month on patreon.com forward slash coponpodcast. So, as the Liverpool Combine Harvester chugs on its merciless path towards Huddersfield Town, will David Wagner just lie down like the rest of them and get mangled? Or will the Terriers have a twist in their tails? The wait's almost over, my darlings. You'd better believe it.